Chapter Nine of the Pioneers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. It was not long before a barn-like building of slatted shingles appeared in a clearing off the road, two or three miles below Steve's. It stood on log foundations, as if on account of its importance, and had a door at one end of its road-facing wall instead of in the middle, as ordinary houses had, and two windows with small square panes of glass stared out on the road. Drovers and teamsters on the roads, as they passed, halted up to listen to the children singing, and went on their way with oaths of admiration, throats and eyes aching sometimes, at the memories and vivid pictures the sound brought them. Behind the school was the bark-thatched hut which had been run up for the schoolmaster to live in. Donald Cameron had given the plot of land for the school, and he had promised to sell the schoolmaster a few acres beside it, if he wanted to make use of his spare time to clear the land, put in a crop, or make a garden. Mr. Farrell soon intimated that he did, and came to terms with Donald Cameron. At first no more than a dozen children went to school. Some walked, others came tumbling into the clearing, two or three aback of a stolid, jog-trotting old horse, others arrived packed together in a spring cart. At the back of the clearing was a fenced paddock into which the horses were turned during the school hours. They were a merry company of young warrigals, these children of the hills, when they poured out of the school doorway, played in the clearing at midday, munching their crusty lunches, or chased in the horses, as a preliminary to scrambling on them, and racing each other helter-skelter down the bush-tracks, spreading and straggling in every direction to their homes. The schoolmaster governed them all with an easy familiarity. He had an eager boyish way of talking when he explained a peculiarity of spelling, or grammar, or a story from history. A light, reckless humour that made Mrs. Cameron, if she was sitting by the window sewing, look up uneasily, her serene face disturbed, her eyes mildly reproving. But the children laughed and loved the flippancies. They scratched and scraped the better for being on good terms with the schoolmaster, although Mrs. Cameron was afraid that they had not a proper respect for him, and that he was not dignified enough with them. She was not the only woman who sat on the seat by the window. Sometimes Mrs. Ross or Mrs. Morrison took a turn there, and knitted or stitched as they watched to see that the schoolmaster's behaviour was all that might be expected. They knew nothing of Mr. Farrell's history or antecedents. As far as they were concerned, he was a broken-down Irishman who had come to make his fortune on the goldfields, and lost any money he had. That was his story, and that he wanted to live a quiet life for a while, away from the temptations and risks of the scramble for gold. His manner and air were decorous enough to make them believe it, and after the first few visits of inspection they were satisfied not to make any more. Only Mary Cameron was concerned as to the nature of some of the seeds he was sowing in the minds of the young generation. She had heard him describing the state of Ireland under His Most Gracious Majesty George the Third, to the older boys and girls, and on another occasion had heard him telling them that the exports of Great Britain were cotton and woollen goods, coal and iron, and convicts to New South Wales and Van Diemen's land. "'Did you have good lessons today, Davy?' she asked one evening when her son was poring over his books. "'Not half as good as yesterday when you were there, mother,' he said. "'Why, how was that?' she asked. "'Oh, Mr. Farrell says more things to make us laugh when you're there,' he said going on with his writing painstakingly. He made me do sums all this morning. 
and i'd never have got them right if deirdre hadn't helped me he lets her sit next to me now when school was out a day or two later mrs cameron rose from her seat by the window she tied her bonnet strings the schoolmaster hummed the tune the children had been singing before they clattered out for the day it was an old english folk song that he had taught them as he put away his books and pencils his eyes wandered towards mrs cameron once or twice her back was to him she was looking out of the window he strode over to her he knew she was displeased his eyes had the guilty look of awaiting reproof the glad light of the miscreant who knows that he has done wrong but has enjoyed doing it he had not admitted to himself even that his reason for talking to make the children laugh and pointing a story from history with a radical or cynical moral was that her anxiety about the instruction they were getting might not be quite lulled he did not want her to give up coming to the school and cease to occupy the seat by the window occasionally but there was something in her face this afternoon that he had not seen there before it was a pity to talk to the children the way you did today she said simply facts mrs cameron he cried gaily the facts of life presented in an interesting form are far more important to boys and girls than a knowledge of let us say geography it was geography among other things we asked you to teach them she replied i beg your pardon ma'am his pride was cut to the quick he bowed awkwardly i shan't be coming to the school any more mr farrell she said after a few moments there was an odd mixture of dignity and humility in her bearing we're all grateful to you for what you have done in teaching the children i knew from the first that you were to be trusted that no harm would come of your schooling and davy has told me that it is only when i am here that you talk as you have done to-day you know i've been coming for my own learning and not to see that you taught properly i came often because i wanted to learn and keep up with davy so that i could help him by and by perhaps there was an unmistakable break in her voice it was not very kind to laugh at me she took the wild flowers from the jar of water on her table by the window as she always did and went to the door it had been very pleasant for her to sit on the bench under the window hearing the children sing old country songs and listening to the schoolmaster telling them of other parts of the world of rules of speech and calculation of the nature of the earth the heavens the stars and the sea of kingdoms strange peoples and their histories and occupations the sunlight had come through the open window and a breeze bearing the honey fragrance of the white gum blossoms fleecing the trees on the edge of the clearing had fanned her face she was so sorry to be giving up those days in the schoolroom that a mist of tears stood in her eyes as she glanced about she had felt an innocent almost childish pleasure in them and in learning with the children mrs cameron the schoolmaster sprang after her the trouble in his face surprised her don't say that i that i that you think i could he was not able to say laugh at you but she had gone he dropped into her chair by the window and threw his arms across the table End of chapter nine